According to a recent independent UK article, children ask an average of 73 questions a day. Isn't that right? Half of those questions, the research found, parents don't know the answers to. So they just guess or they, or they Google it. Research also indicates that children of three years of age ask up to 300 questions a day. So Joel and Laura, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's going to get interesting for you. <clears throat> and one of the common questions is, why? Today we want to, to think of this question regarding baptism and particularly the mode of baptism. Later in our service, and, and you'll be allowed to open your eyes for this part during the prayer, I encourage you to open your eyes, we, we will be administering baptism to, to Daniel and we will be doing this by, by sprinkling. And so the question in our sermon today is, why will we administer baptism by sprinkling? This is one very visible difference between our Baptist brothers and sisters in baptism. Baptism, Baptists believe that baptism should always be by immersion. That whether it's in the, the tank in the church building or whether it's in the, the local swimming pool or in the local river, that the mode of baptism, they argue, should, should always be by immersion. In a few minutes, or maybe a bit longer than a few minutes, we'll be baptizing Daniel uh, by sprinkling, not by immersion, I'm sure, to the relief uh, of, of, of the parents. But we're asking uh, this question then, why do we administer baptism by sprinkling. And that's what we want to think of today. And I, I have two points. I want to think, first of all, of the meaning of the word, and then secondly, of the meaning of the work, that is, the work of baptism. Let's think, first of all, together of the meaning of the word. Now, our, our brothers and sisters within the, the Baptist tradition, uh, brethren uh, and a lot of charismatic churches, they argue that the, the word baptism, which we have in verse 15 and 33 of Acts 16, Greek word baptismo, it always means to immerse. And so when we read of Lydia here, uh, that she was at the prayer meeting by the river, and so when she believed, her and her household were baptized probably in the river by immersion. When we read of the jailer here in the, the Roman prison, uh, he was baptized probably in the bath uh, which the, the Roman prisons commonly had by immersion. But the position that I'm arguing for today in, in our sermon is that, that this Greek word baptizo doesn't always mean immersion. Sometimes it does, sometimes I'm going to argue it can mean pour. Sometimes it can mean sprinkle. And so I'm arguing today that as we come to, to think of baptism and the mode of baptism, that us 
sprinkling Daniel is a a legitimate administration of this sacrament. Think first of all of the use of this word baptism in the Old Testament. And I'm just pulling out one example in the Old Testament. We read it together in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 33. The verse there says that Nebuchadnezzar will be deranged. He will feed like an ox outside in the grass. And that he, his body will be wet with the dew of heaven. The word wet is the very same Greek word for baptism in verse 15 and 33 in Acts chapter 16. How are we to understand that word baptism in Nebuchadnezzar's experience? He will be baptized with the dew of heaven. Does it mean that he would be immersed in the Euphrates River? I don't think so. Does it mean that there would be torrential rain and that the water would pour down upon his body in the field? I don't think so. I think the legitimate, common, ordinary understanding of the word baptism in Daniel 4.33 is to sprinkle the droplets from heaven will descend upon his body just like the droplets from this bowl here will fall on the head of Daniel in a few moments' time. Nebuchadnezzar was baptized with the dew. Daniel will be baptized with the water from this bowl. In the New Testament, there are also places where the word baptism is used in the sense of sprinkling. And I give you two examples of this. In Mark chapter 7 and and verse 4, we read that there are many of the traditions that they, the Pharisees, observe, such as the baptizing or washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. So here again is our word from verse 15 and 33 of Acts chapter 16, baptism, used in Mark chapter 7, verse 4. Here are the Pharisees. They want to dedicate their house, the contents of their house, their vessels, their gold, their silver cups, and their dining couches. Now, these were large, extensive things like the pews you're sitting on. They reclined to eat. You'll you'll not be doing that in the hall here uh, later on. Uh, You'll be sitting on our uh, little seats in there. But at mealtime, they reclined on these long couches. Do you think they immersed those couches in the local river? Or rather, did they not use that Old Testament ritual of purification of sprinkling vessels, couches, to set them apart to a special use? I think the best understanding of the word baptism in Mark 7 verse 4 is not immersion or pouring, but once again, sprinkling. And a second instance in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 10, 
is translated in our English version as various washings or various baptisms. It's again the same word in Acts 16 verses 15 and 33, Lydia and the jailer were baptized. How are we to understand Hebrews 9 and verse 10 then? Various washings. If you search through the ceremonial laws in in the Old Testament, you will not find an instance regarding the immersion of a body in a ritual cleansing. Here in Hebrews 9, that the writer is referring to the Old Testament laws and arguing that there's various baptisms there. And in those Old Testament laws, those baptisms are performed not by immersion, but by sprinkling. And so when we come to thinking of our chapter in in Acts chapter 16, uh, we're, we're thinking not so much of Lydia and the jailer necessarily being immersed. We're arguing that there is another legitimate understanding of this word from Daniel 4, from Mark 7, from Hebrews chapter 9. Sprinkling is a legitimate understanding of the word baptism, we would argue. The meaning of the word. But secondly, let's think of the the meaning of the work. And there's two aspects of the work of baptism which are blatant and obvious. One is the element and the other is the action. Let's think of the element of of baptism. Invariably, the element of baptism in Scripture is water. It's not wine. It's not oil. It's, It's water. For example, John the Baptist, he says, I baptize with water. Jesus went down into the river to be baptized. The Ethiopian treasurer, he stopped his chariot because he saw that the river and the water and asked, can I be baptized here? So we will be using water today. Good Newton Ards, water, water, out of the tap, ordinary water for baptism. But what is the symbolism of this water? What is the meaning attached to this element that we use for baptism? It is the element of cleansing, isn't it? We use this element throughout our day and throughout our week to clean ourselves to clean our clothes, to clean our windows, to clean our car. Water is the the element of cleansing from what is polluted or from dirt. And so baptism, this element of water being applied to Daniel, is teaching us that we have need of a cleansing by God. That there are issues in our lives that he must forgive That in his eyes we are not perfect people, even a young boy like Daniel. The Bible teaches us that we are all born not neutral or biased to good, that we are born with sinful hearts. 
No one has to teach a child to to lie or to fight or to lose her temper, to do things which they have never seen in their home or on CBBC, which their parents will ask, where did he learn to do that? And the answer is that it's in our hearts, born with that bias to do wrong. But baptism, the element of baptism, is proclaiming to us today that there is cleansing, there is forgiveness available to us in God, that he has sent his own son, Jesus Christ, that he has become human among us, that he has lived perfectly in this world and gone to the cross to die for our sins and that when you and I repent of our sins and receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, what is symbolized in the element of baptism is realized in our experience. We are cleansed. We are forgiven. We are washed. But the other aspect is the action itself, the sprinkling. Sprinkling, dropping the water on young Daniel symbolizes transference. We don't hold up a a bowl or, or a glass of water before the congregation, a symbol of cleansing and say, God can forgive you. We take the water and we sprinkle it on the child. Baptism is more than a proclamation of forgiveness. In the work of baptism, we sprinkle that symbol of forgiveness on Daniel. Now, the congregation knows that I have no magical powers. And there's no magic in this baptismal water. Only God in heaven can change and forgive young Daniel or or any of us. But we baptize Daniel with the prayer that this symbol of forgiveness, which is outward and tangible and visible, will be accompanied by the inner working of God's Spirit in his heart to join the outward symbol of cleansing with the inward reality of forgiveness. And what strengthens our prayer, what strengthens our hope within our congregation today is this, that God has promised To be the God of Joel and Laura and of their children. So as we baptize Daniel, we recognize that he is in a privileged position. The recipient of this gracious promise of God. Sprinkling the symbol of forgiveness does not convey divine forgiveness, but it rests on God's gracious promise of grace. And we trust the sovereign grace of God that in Daniel's life, the outward and the inward will be joined together in the mercy of God. 
the word baptism then. Daniel won't be aware very much of his, his baptism today. He might even sleep through it. He, the only person allowed to sleep, by the way, in church uh, uh, this morning. And so it's the duty of parents and of the church to tell him as he grows older about his baptism and the responsibilities connected to it. Baptism's not just a box-ticking exercise, not just a, a lovely occasion, and it is a lovely occasion for the family to come together. But it's far more than this. That Daniel needs taught, and older children and adults as well, the responsibilities connected with their baptism. It's the placing of the outward sign of a disciple of Jesus on a person. We're to teach children that that comes with duties and responsibilities that a disciple of Jesus repents of their sins and believes in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Not in their baptism, not in their church attendance, not in their good works, but in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. We're to teach them that they are bound to live by the Ten Commandments. That their creed is to be the Apostles' Creed of Doctrine. That they are to address God by the use of the Lord's Prayer. Baptism brings to them the badge of a disciple of Christ. And we are to teach them the responsibilities and duties connected with that. In the football transfer market Players are moving from one team to another. They're taking on a new badge. And with that new badge comes a different style of play and training and behavior. As we administer the badge of a disciple of Jesus today, a covenant child, it comes with responsibilities and duties which the parents will teach young Daniel as he grows among us. Yesterday, I saw a traffic warden, and, and they're pretty rife here. I hope they take the Sabbath day off. It's, uh, uh, so, uh, not distracted from the sermon now. Uh, yesterday, a, a traffic warden was giving a, a driver a hard time, and as I later drove up the street, uh, I was muttering uh, not nice things about traffic wardens, and our six-year-old in the back seat said to me, Dad, we can't do that. We're Christians. Having the badge of Christianity comes with a lifestyle, a behavior, responsibilities. The element, water, symbolizes cleansing. Teenagers, the, the research goes, are meant to have a shower once a day. <clears throat> Some smell the smell, see the dirt. Others don't smell the smell, see the dirt. Some are averse to washing, cleansing. There's adults. Some of us are oblivious to our sinfulness. We acknowledge that. We've all got faults. There's none of us perfect. But some of us don't realize that we're sinning against God each day in word and in thought and in deed and that we need 
his forgiveness. Others know it, but don't care. But maybe, just maybe, you care. I don't believe that there's any real atheist in the world. There's people who might say they they don't believe in God, but I'm convinced that deep down, every single one of us is aware of a living God and aware that we'll stand before that God and perhaps in your better moments, that scares you. And you're in the right place today. Better than being at Wimbledon. Better than being in the pub. Here in church today, in baptism, we're being taught that there is forgiveness with God. A forgiveness that is free. A forgiveness that is full. A forgiveness that is forever. And the action... Yesterday I tried to book tickets for the the new Minion film and I thought I had them. I went through the the whole process. I I checked there's money in my account, put my name in, my address in, met the code on my credit card in. The wee wheel was turning, the excitement was rising. I thought I had the tickets for the family and then it came up. Payment not processed. I thought I had it, but I didn't. And some people think They have God's forgiveness because they have baptism. But it doesn't always correspond. The outward sign of cleansing needs to be joined with the inward work of the Spirit of God in our hearts. And it's our prayer today that Daniel and all of us will not only have that outward symbol of forgiveness, but the inward reality of cleansing. Alcaraz, the the new kid in the block in, in Wimbledon, commentators, tennis pundits are gripped by him. Not just by his winning, but by the mode of his winning. His style, his flair, his panache. As we leave church later on, we've not just come here today to think of the act of baptism, but of the mode of baptism. The sprinkling of water on Daniel.